also here, present in the anointing to break every yoke of bondage, to bring healing to the sick and deliverance to the captive. We thank that you're, you that you are present to give us utterance to speak as we ought to speak. Bring revelation to us, even tonight, that our eyes might be opened, God, to see things that otherwise we would not see. Open our ears to hear that which you're saying to us for this day and for this generation. God, that we truly might be the lights in the midst of darkness. I thank you, Lord, that even now you are working. You're setting up divine appointments that in those appointments you will dispatch light into places of darkness. That each and every one has a commission upon their life. And making those appointments are so vital to bringing light into the midst of darkness that others might see and others might know the power and the glory of the salvation that we possess. So I thank you, Father, that even now for this time, in this season, for us as a generation, you grant unto us and your servants a boldness to speak your word, that stretching forth your hand, signs and wonders might be wrought in the name of Jesus. God, that we're stepping into that place in time where there's a display of the miraculous. There's a release of your mighty power in the earth to create change. I thank you that there is that turning point, that flooding, that, that filling up, those moments in time that makes significant change, that rising and that culmination of the things that you've said, that your will might be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise and thanksgiving for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and your spirit. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we pray. And everyone who agreed said, amen. amen. Good morning, good evening, church. How are you? I'm not sure what time it is. Good evening, church. How are you? Praise the Lord. Why don't you greet five or six people around you? Tell them that, you're glad that they're here tonight. Youth, you can be dismissed. Praise the Lord. Good evening. It's great to see you all here uh, tonight. Man, it's good to be alive, isn't it? It's better to not be in jail. We're free. Amen? And uh, not just free physically. We're not in a, a, a place of um, uh, jail, but uh, we're free from the bondages that would come upon us. And uh, so I got a little echo there. Glory to God. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. So, just a couple of announcements to make. Um, and make sure that we know those in a, uh, a week from this coming Wednesday. Jesse Duplantis is going to be with us. And so mark your calendar. Again, a, a special night, Wednesday night. And uh, invite somebody to come. It's going to be a great time. The Sunday following that, Brother Joe Morris is going to be with us. And um, you don't want to miss Brother Joe. And uh, especially if you haven't been in one of his meetings, um, he'll bring a message, uh, maybe healing. It may be really, you know, just testimonies of things that he's seen, maybe about the last days, um, what's going on in the last days. You just never know. You may pray for the sick. Um, 
operate in word of wisdom, word of knowledge. So you just don't want, you never, you never really know, and so you don't want to miss it. And uh, so we have that there for you. I want to remind you to go on to the app, look, and, and sign up for small groups that are available. It's a great way for us to join in community and fellowship with each other. And then men, uh, July 14th and 15th, go on to the app, get registered now. Praise the Lord for the men's conference. Registered now. Uh, invite people so we can get registered now. Again, we, we say this over and over. Uh, if you're watching, you're going to join us. Register now because we get food and, and the things that we need. So how many guys are coming? We can get ahead of the curve uh, on the food and all the things that are necessary. Uh, it's going to be a great time together. Talk to uh, Brother Addison this week. Our theme is pure power. And uh, he thought that was just the things he'd been studying that goes right along with the things that he's been uh, preparing for. And so we're excited about that time. Then Sunday, the 16th, Addison will be with us all day. And uh, if you've been a part of his meetings when he's been here, uh, they have been powerful. So you don't want to miss that. Amen. Uh, just want to give you an opportunity, if you weren't here this morning, prepared with your local church tithes and offerings to give. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. Uh, the ushers are excited, as Zane says, to give you an envelope always prepared. If you're giving by text, the number is up there. We're so thankful uh, for your giving. We're believing with you that it is a tremendous year, that all uh, uh, things are restored unto you. Amen. That God supplies your every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Not according to the economy, not according to you know what we can figure out, but according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. We ready? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to come before you to bring our tithes and our offerings before you, knowing that we have a great covenant with you, that everything that we have belongs to you and everything that you have belongs to us. We're in that great covenant partnership. So we acknowledge that when we bring our tithes and our offerings to you. We do it with great joy for you love a cheerful giver. We thank you, God. I thank you that the blessings of the word of God come upon each one. I thank you that grace is abounding to each one to cause them to have all sufficiency in everything and even able to give to every good work. I thank you for that. I thank you you give them seed to sow, bread for food. You multiply the seed that they've sown. You increase the fruit of their righteousness you cause them to abound in generosity, which as we are generous with our, our, the things that you've put in our life, thanksgiving ascends to you from our generosity. And so we thank you for that. Thank you for that grace abounding to each one. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. Open your Bibles to Ephesians, the first chapter. And uh, we cracked this open. A couple of weeks ago, we started... I guess three or four now, we were gone for a week, uh, but we started in Ephesians. The first night, we talked a little bit about where, uh, you know, the church at Ephesus, where they were at, uh, where they were, how, you know, this New Testament church that we read about was being raised up out of paganism, Judaism, uh, all kinds of other religious ideas. And so they were coming forth. They were brand new, uh, but there was such a great strength about them. And so they weren't living in an ideal 
time for them. They weren't living in you know, what we uh, enjoy uh, from the, the start of our nation from a godly perspective and uh, a godly aim of the forefathers. They were being raised up right in the midst of difficult times. And so uh, you know, when Paul writes to them and the church that was being established there, um, he's writing some things to help them. And as we said last week, you know, he starts off identifying who he is and then who he's writing to, the saints or those who are holy, right? And he's addressing everyone, and he's addressing even down to us. And so I know there's some thought, you know, that a saint has to have so many miracles and be approved by by people, but in God's mind, already positionally, we are saints because of the blood of Jesus. We've been made holy. So that positional uh, holiness takes place when we receive Jesus and we're washed in the blood. But I believe this letter that he's writing then is helping us understand that he's writing to the saints, those who've been made holy by the blood of Jesus, but then he's going to get into some things that make us aware of what is done so that we have behavioral or, or, you know, I said last week, operational holiness, the way holiness operates in our life or how we behave once we know that we are holy. And so, you know, the Spirit of God has me uh, saying this right now. We've said it before. You know, it seems like he ebbs and tides some. But really, the emphasis uh, of our holiness, of our righteousness, and understanding that through the mind of God, we are. Again, religious ideas that you're simply just a sinner saved by grace. And and we stay in that mindset. Well, you know, I could never do that. I could never have that because I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And so God wants us to have an understanding of our righteousness and holiness by the blood of Jesus. How God already sees us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So that we can get a mindset then of if we know that we've been made holy by the blood... How do we live in that holiness? Not holier than now, not religion, but a true lifestyle that comes through being washed by the blood. We can talk about being washed by the blood. We can talk about being forgiven from sin and cleansed from sin. But all of a sudden, when we're done singing that song and we feel like we're not measuring up, oh, well, I'm just a sinner. Well, that, that conflict in our mind has a lot to do with our ability to walk out behaviorally this holiness that God's called us to. And in that holiness that he's called us to, uh, he wants that, just as we said last week, he said, you be holy because I'm holy. There's something in a divine relationship with God. There's something that sets us apart, really sets us apart from sin, right? He broke the power of sin, cleansed us from sin so we could be a set apart people, a sanctified people, cleaned, set apart, made holy by the blood of Jesus. So he talks about the things that were done by grace. Just to catch this up, he he talked about those things that were blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Not just blessing come upon us, but through the Holy Spirit within us, there is blessing at work in us, really from the source of heavenly realities Uh, You know, as he told the Colossian church, he said, set your mind on heavenly realities instead of simply earthly trivialities. How often do we get caught up in something that's going to change in, you know, by tomorrow or a few days instead of focusing on what is eternal? What is eternal? 
And again, so we, we've talked about that again before. Uh, eternal doesn't mean, well, it just doesn't have any beginning and end. Eternal actually means that it's always the same. So Jesus is eternal. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He, his faithfulness never changes. He, he, he's, his mercies are new every morning, not because they got old, but because for us, every morning, the mercy is exactly the same. Right? So the things of God, the things of eternity remain the same always. So when we get a mindset on eternity, we don't, we don't look back and say, well, then I guess I'm never going to change. We step into eternity. And because he never changes, what he did it for one, he'll do for all. Right? He's never changed. So where he offered abundant mercy to all, that, that never changes. So we're blessed from a spiritual place and, and really in eternal uh, a mindset. And then he goes on, he says, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So his divine purpose was that we live with him without sin. That was his, his plan from the very beginning. Not that we stumble around, not that we live our life continually making our own choices and then regretting the choices that we make. Right? And so again, simple definition of sin, self-choice over God's choice. Self-choice over God's choice. When God says, don't eat, and we decide, it'd be all right to eat, and we eat, then it's sin. Right? So he said, I don't want that. I want you to be holy. I want you to be holy. Holy uh, in him, having predestined us to adoption as sons or to be placed as sons. Very important. He predestined from the very beginning that we would be his sons and daughters, that we would be his children. And so he accomplished that in Christ Jesus according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace. He made us accepted in the beloved. There's so many times we ended last Last week, so many times, we're pressured to find a place to be accepted. Isn't it funny how that works in us? We want to be accepted so many times, and rejection is so devastating to us. It just is. You can say it doesn't bother you, but it does. It's devastating. But when we put our focus in the right place and see that he has accepted us, Knowing everything about us, knowing the mistakes that we've made, knowing even places where we've rejected him, thinking our way was better than his way and doing that, he still says, I sent Jesus to die for you so that I could forgive you and receive you and accept you in the beloved. And so we don't have to run around seeking acceptance with this group or that group, feeling like that's the only way we're going to have value in life. He's accepted us in the beloved. And knowing that and knowing how that gives us value, I'm accepted by God. You know, that mindset comes to people and says, well, I know, I know, I'm accepted by God, but I want somebody with flesh on. Well, listen, then when somebody with flesh on does the wrong thing, you're crushed. So flesh on, especially flesh on, <laughs> isn't that great? You don't want to be accepted by a bunch of people who are just living according to the flesh because they're on their way to death. Praise the Lord. We want to be accepted by God. 
And so we don't want our natural mind. Certainly we know and God's accepted us in the beloved. There's a family of God and, and it should be working together. But the idea, just the idea that we get that causes us great consternation, many times insecurity and trouble, is how am I going to be accepted with a particular group of people that I want to be accepted with? And many times, that's really not how God's working in us, because he doesn't want you to be just accepted with a certain group of people. He wants to be able to accept you and be able to place you in a different group of people that you might show them that they're accepted by him. So when we're just getting over into a place where we want to be accepted, we want to be in, God says, I don't necessarily want you to be in right there, but I want to put you in a place where people who need to know that I've accepted them would be ministered to or serve that by you, right? So that acceptance is very important. All right, so then uh, we're just going to jump into this. this. That's where we left off, really. But in verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. In him we have redemption. So I know most of you know this, but it bears repeating. That word redemption means to buy back or to ransom. So he's telling them that we were a slave of sin. We were, we were brought under sin, but there was a ransom that had to be paid. And so he uses that terminology. We were enslaved or, or you know, we might talk about it, deceived by the enemy, mankind, and kidnapped by the devil. But, you know, in the, in, in the source that they knew, it was slavery. But you could be bought out of slavery. Just like, you know, when somebody's kidnapped, they want to ransom. They want you to buy them out of that bondage of the kidnapper. So we were in bondage to sin, and, and there was only one price that could be paid to buy us out of the slavery of sin. And that was the spotless blood of a man. And so the Bible just tells us over and over in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25, it says that Jesus was given as a ransom for many. Jesus' life was given for ransom for many. Peter said, or Timothy, Paul told Timothy the same thing, that God gave Jesus a ransom for many. So when he starts to tell them that he's redeemed our life, he means that the price that was needed for your life has already been paid. And in that, where sin bound you, he bought you so sin could be forgiven. There's only one way that sin can be forgiven. He redeemed your life from destruction. He redeemed your life from destruction. Turn over to Galatians chapter 3. He redeemed our life from destruction. So right here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says Christ has redeemed us. He's purchased us back, right? He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So he redeemed us from the curse of the law. What was the curse of the law? Poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. So Jesus, with his life, using his life as a ransom, brought, bought us and purchased us away from the curse, poverty, sickness, and spiritual death, right? 
in that purchase, he forgave our sin. Now turn over to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Verse 8, it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. There's a lot in that about prayer. Verse 9, And then they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us unto God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests unto our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So what's he saying? He's saying Jesus redeemed us from the curse, but he redeemed us to God. And so when we're thinking about redemption and the forgiveness of sin, we have to understand that. Listen, we weren't just redeemed from sin and we don't know what to do, but we were redeemed unto God. When we were redeemed unto God, that redemption brought us to a place that we're no longer foreigners and strangers. We're no longer slaves of sin, but we've been brought out. And now not only have we been made sons and daughters, but we've been made to be kings and priests unto our God. He's made us a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And so to understand that, he said, and we shall reign on the earth. So when we've received Jesus Christ and the price paid for us, and we've received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, then we are to be reigning in life through one Jesus Christ. We're no longer to be subject to the sin that once dominated us and all that goes with that, the emotional makeup, the emotional turmoil, the striving that goes with that, the bondage that goes with that, but we've been redeemed unto God. And now we receive the price paid for for us. And, and you know, as we said, I think last week, maybe we said this in Bible school, some people would say, well, I don't know. I just went from one slavery under sin, under slavery to God. You know, Romans chapter six says, you know, if you give yourself over to unrighteousness of sin, you'll become a slave of sin. But if you give yourself over to the righteousness of God, you'll become a slave of righteousness. And people, well, what's the deal? Well, when you become a slave of God, God was your creator. And so as your master, actually having him as Lord, it releases you unto your calling. And so there's great freedom to be who he created you to be under his lordship, right? And so under his lordship, all he's doing is he's saying, here's the parameters. Don't go outside of them. Guard your heart because in your heart, I've placed within your heart eternity and the parameters of life. I've put in your heart the guardrails of life to get you exactly where I created you to go. And so when you're serving me, I put up the guardrails and you stay with that, with me. You may do a little bumping up and against the guardrails, but I've got some parameters here, right? But he said, when you don't have a vision, when you don't have a word from God, when you don't have a a prophetic sense or a seeing and a knowing that comes from God, you're bound by sin and you're blinded by that sin. He said, you cast off restraint. And so it seems like you're going in the ditch on this side, or you're going on the ditch on that side, or you feel like you're driving off a cliff. Well, why? Because we haven't guarded our hearts. 
We haven't really seen what God did in redeeming our life from destruction that we're no longer over here. He brought us out of that, and he put our feet on a solid rock in Christ, and he gave us a direction, and he gave us divine purpose, and he said, if you listen to my direction as Lord, I will direct you in the fulfillment of what I created you to do. How many of you like to sense some fulfillment? Praise the Lord. And so we're always looking to have fulfillment. I feel fulfilled because I did a certain job or got a paycheck. But the Bible says when we know God, we begin to realize that we're filled with the fullness of God. And when we're filled with the fullness of God, you are fully filled. You're fulfilled. And the only way to really know and and believe and sense fulfillment in your life is to really know that fullness of God. Because you and I were created to be containers of the very life of God. And he wants us to be filled to overflowing. Right? He doesn't want us walking around as those who are always half empty. Right? Anybody ever felt half empty? I I got nothing left to give. Dear God, I got nothing left to give. People have been taken, I got nothing left to give. I've been ministering to people, helping people. I got nothing left to give. God said that should never happen. He didn't say it wouldn't happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying God made a way for it to not happen. He sent the Holy Spirit, and he said, be being filled. Don't just get filled once and then drain the tank. He said, be being filled. Why? Because he wants us being fulfilled in life. That we're so fulfilled in life, knowing his plan and his purpose, walking with him, that wherever we go, we're overflowing. We're not looking for people to fill uh, us. We're looking for people we can pour into. But see, if we're not being filled, we we think, if I pour into one more person, I'm going to be the emptiest soul in the whole world. I can't pour into one more person. Somebody needs to pour into me. Well, thank God, God, we have people like that, but thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the ability to pray in tongues and build ourselves up, energize and encourage ourselves in the Holy Ghost to be being filled, not just one time filled, but be being filled and generate the life and the power of the Spirit of God on the inside of us. So again, we have something else to give. That same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead energizing and quickening our mortal body, making it alive unto God. So about the time we think, you know, and the enemy thinks, I've got them about wore out, we start to pray in tongues and stir up the gift of God and like, you thought you had me wore out, but I'm ready to go again. He's like, man, these people are just like the energizer bunny. You can't stop them. They just start to wear down and boom, man, they're back up again. Because we have a supernatural resource of strength and energy. We've been washed and cleansed, so sin cannot be this huge burden that weighs us down. But we've offloaded that burden of sin, and now we step into the place where that that energizer, that one that uh, that we're yoked to in God, that makes his burden light and his yoke easy. Right? And so in the call of God, we begin to think about the call of God, what he's called us unto, and we're like, man, he's called me to some pretty big stuff. I don't know if I can do it. You can't. That's why he said, I'm going to give you something a little bit more. Now we'll see where your faith kicks in, and we'll see if you'll trust in me and my grace. 
because the moment we kick into that grace, right? He said there's this place, this redemption that comes, the forgiveness of sin through grace, right? According to this, this grace and the abundance of this grace. So he said where sin used to abound, Romans 5, where sin used to abound, grace has now much more abounded. Certainly in the whole scope he was talking about there in Romans chapter 5, that where sin was abounding in the earth because of Adam's sin, Jesus came and grace did much more abound. But he's also saying where in your life sin was abounding, it was, it was taking over. When grace comes to play, it does much more abound exceedingly. And so where sin used to wear you out, grace energizes us. Where sin used to dictate to us, now grace points the way and equips us to do what God's called us to do. So he's talking to us about how we live in this relationship with God. Isn't it great that we can reign in life with him? Because we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, and we've been redeemed unto God. Unto God. No matter who you are, out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, made to be kings and priests made to be kings and priests, unto our God. You know, that was the original intent from the very beginning. When God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, he intended for all of them to come to him and be priests unto him. But they said, we don't want to do that. We're afraid to do that. So he set up a priesthood. But his intention has always been that my people can come to me themselves, right? And that we can be kings. We can reign in our own life through him. Amen. God has a great plan. And so, you know, it puts some responsibility on us to learn that, to understand that, to reign over the things in life in a, in a solid way, knowing our authority, that it's not over other people, it's over the power of the enemy, right? And we reign in that way. And we stand before God. And when we don't know what to do, we have an entrance, we have access to God as priests unto him, all by the blood of Jesus, right? We say, well, I don't know if that works. No, he, he, he redeemed you. He forgave your sin so that you could stand holy before him without blame. Man, that's good news. That's just good news. So in our prayer time, you know, instead of just coming in all the time, thinking about what we need, thinking about what we've done wrong, will, did I do enough to get what I need? Do I measure up to what I need? Even if it's in the back of your mind, you say, well, I know that. I'll try this, but in the back of our, we need to just allow the spirit of God to say, don't even get that in the back of your mind. And then we understand who he is. We don't come in. A lot of people just come in and go, well, then I'm a friend of God. So they try to overcompensate. Hey, buddy, how you doing, God? I'm so comfortable with you. Well, you don't get comfortable with the almighty God like, you know, he's a bro on the street. <laughs> See, we keep thinking this way. We keep thinking, you know, if God's going to be my friend, I want to pull him down to my level. Hey, the big JC, you know. Well, no, he never wanted to come down. He already came down to our level and bore our sin so that he could raise us up. So when it's a friend of God, he doesn't want us coming in and go, hey, man, could you come down to my level? He says, just, just come in, and I'll lift you up to my level as a son and a daughter. And the view from up here is a whole lot better. Right? The view, viewing things from a 
righteousness perspective instead of a sin perspective, right? From a cleanse perspective instead of guilt perspective, right? All the things I'm guilty of. Well, thank God he washed it. And now I see possibilities instead of just doing the same thing over and over and becoming self-destructive. Now I see a way to walk free from it because he's elevated me to a place where I can see what he sees, all right? So redemption is very important to us. Redemption is very important to us to know what we've been redeemed from, but also what we've been redeemed to. And keep that ever in our consciousness because it's so easy to know that mentally. But just in tough times, just start to wonder, is this happening to me because? Well, maybe God's punishing me. Wait a minute, why would he punish you if Jesus already bore your punishment? And again, we've said this before. You have to, and I I have to get a clear-cut idea that sin wants to punish you. When you decide to do it your own way, whatever comes, the consequence to punish you is because your choice. I thought I knew better than God, right? So, you know, if I tell my, my kids, you know, don't drive 100 miles an hour, you could get a ticket, which I know that very well. (laughs) You could get a ticket, and they, you know, my daughter feels like she's running behind schedule, so she drives 100 miles an hour and gets a ticket, and then says, well, Dad, you did that to punish me so I wouldn't drive 100 miles an hour. Dad didn't punish her. Dad tried to keep her from getting a ticket. Her choice brought punishment. So you see how the devil, he's real sneaky. Come on, come on. Make this choice. You want to make this choice. Come on. Everybody else is doing it. Come on, come on. Then we do it. Bad things start to happen. Rejection comes its way. We feel guilty. We feel shame. And then then something comes our way, you know, uh, a financial issue or something, uh, a sickness. And then we're like, God, are you punishing me? And God's like, why would I punish you? I came to rescue you. Somewhere get into your thinking. Your choice to do what you wanted brings its own form of punishment. It's leading to death. But the moment you say, I'm going to go your way, you don't have that thought of punishment. right? You don't get away from the thought. You just need to understand where it comes from. God's not punishing you. The sin that you decided to enter into has with it a punishment. Sin brings with itself condemnation. But Jesus brought justification. Redemption, right? So redemption so vitally important. So really, Paul starts out talking to them really about this uh, understanding of redemption, right? Through his blood, according to the riches of his grace, right? So we have forgiveness through his blood, and it's all because of the grace of God. And it's according to that grace. Man, the riches of his grace. His grace abound in such a, a dynamic way. If we just continue to get a greater, a greater grip on 
the grace of God, the manifold grace of God, the many-faceted grace of God, the ability of God, the influence of God, the favor of God. And we begin to look at that and say, man, wherever I go, God's opening doors for me because I have the favor of God on me. God's, I'm not something that God's trying to close doors on. God, if I'm walking with God, yeah, there may be doors that look closed, but he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm guiding your path to some doors that are open because my favor rests upon you. And he says, you might walk through a door and say, man, this is a huge place. I don't know if I can do this. And he says, but my grace, the abundance of my grace has empowered you. It's enabled you to occupy this new area of life I've just walked you into. You say, but I don't know what to do. And he says, but there's that grace, that divine influence upon your heart that's going to have its reflection in your life. The grace of God is so rich and so abounding towards us. And yet sometimes we just go, yeah, yeah, grace, grace, God's grace. But when we sing it with conviction, man, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. Wow. We step into a new place, a new place. All right. We better get to verse eight. We may never get done with Ephesians. We don't keep moving. This grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence or wisdom and understanding. So he said, this grace is abounding towards you. And you say, well, I don't know about it. He says, I've given you wisdom and understanding to understand redemption, the forgiveness of your sin, and the riches of God's grace. You want to know about it? He says, I'll give it to you through wisdom and understanding. He said, if you lack wisdom, just ask for it. I'll freely give it to you. I want to give you wisdom and understanding about the things concerning me and you. Verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says this. It says, God saw to it to give Paul the mystery hidden from the ages and even from generations. That is, what's the mystery? What's the puzzle that, that everybody kept looking for, but they couldn't find? Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ living in you by the Holy Spirit of God. The mystery hidden from the ages. Ever since man fell, God was working through the law and the prophets to come about and to, to set a stage for Jesus to come to live to pay for our sin, to die, to raise from the dead so that by his Holy Spirit he could live on the inside of us that we might experience the very splendor and light of the glory of God, the light of life. Jesus came and he was the light of life, it said, and the darkness could not overmaster who he was and the life that he lived. And he said, I am the light of the world, but you are the light of the world. Well, how does that happen? Because he comes to live on the inside of us and bring the very light of a life with God to us. Then we no longer have to live in darkness. The very fullness of who he is and his character now lives on the inside of us, just waiting for us by faith to say, I believe and I trust you. Go ahead and make the change. Come on. Go ahead. Well, you know, I'm just an anxious person. I'm just kind of an anxious person. Mama was anxious. Grandma was anxious. We're just kind of an anxious person. 
He said, I didn't bring anxiety to you. I brought peace. I know, I know there's peace. I know we always talk about peace, but I just don't, I can't get peace. Well, somewhere you just have to say, this is my hope. Christ is in me. So I can see the light of life and no longer live in anxiety. Well, I don't know how that's going to happen. I've just always been anxious. It's going to happen when you say, I have faith in the one who lives in me. And so I trust you. Go ahead and change me. And he says, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to grab a hold of that anxiety, and it's going to be rough for a couple days. It might be like withdrawals. But if you give it to me, I'm going to yank that anxiety out of your life, and I'm going to give you peace. And I'm not going to give you peace like the world gives you peace. I'm going to give you supernatural peace. So if you have supernatural peace, that anxiety that rode you and drove you day after day, that worry, that stress that kept you awake, now, because you're my beloved, I'm going to give you sleep. Well, I don't know how that's going to happen. Well, you're going to have to release to him and say, I'm tr I trust you. Do what you do. I trust you. It's a mystery hidden from the ages. How's that going to happen? How's life going to change? I don't know. It's a mystery. He said, no, the mystery's been revealed. Christ came to live in you by the Holy Spirit to change all that sin did, even did to our personality. Ooh, I know that people, we hate that. Praise the Lord. You know, I, told, I think I told the, the, the graduates at Rhema when I did graduation last year, I said, you know, it's getting so hard, and sometimes, you know, you might want to examine it, you know, when you look in the Bible, and people had lots of different personalities. Um, it was a little scary, but you know, when, when I stepped into ministry, we had four personality types, D-I-S-C, so as leaders, it was all right. You were one of four different personalities, and then all of a sudden, we had six personalities, and then, you know... Then you have the Enneagram, and you have whatever, nine personalities, each one having a wing. <laughs> hmm, that's a little scary. My personality has a wingman. <laughs> so just in case that personality is not doing good, wow, here's the other one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Sometimes we like our personality so much, we study it, we investigate it, and sometimes the Holy Spirit's like, I don't like that one. That's not the one I created you to live in. I created you in the personality that looks like me, more than it looks like you. We're like, well, I think you created, he said, I didn't create you that way, sin made that happen. Well, I love my personality, I don't think I'm going to let you at it. Well, then you might live in the mystery. How is things ever going to change? But if you say, I trust you, even with that, I trust you with that, then he'll come in and the splendor and the light of life in Christ is to arise on us and to shine. Praise the Lord. I don't know if I like that. Well, you might not like it near as much as the person that God's bringing you and I to shine upon. So well, I like my personality. Some other people don't. They would like the one he wants to bring forth in you. All right, we better move. 
I'm getting some dirty looks. All right. <laughs> I'm all, all right, I've been doing this long enough to know that these kind of things, people's personalities and their, their emotions, they don't like those touched too much. But it's really not them that doesn't want to touch the enemy. This is where he really finds his foothold. So when you start talking about people's personality changing and, and their emotions, uh, you know, coming under control, they're like, oh. but that's just the enemy. Because if you trust God with it, there's a lot of faith in trusting God with that. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Having made known to us the mystery of his... Well, verse 10. That is, uh, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth in him. In other words, you know, Paul prays in another place, the whole family in heaven and earth. You know, the church isn't just right here. The church expands into those who've gone before. The church is a family of people, those in heaven and those on earth. We're joined together. He says, so in the fullness of this dispensation, he's going to bring it all together. Not going to leave anybody out. Amen. Verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Again, he had some things in his mind from the very beginning that sin had, had twisted and turned, but the blood of Jesus has really brought us back to that original purpose that he wrought according to the counsel of of his will, his plan. Verse 12, that he who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also trusted. So he said, listen, we've, we first trusted, but we've shared that. We've shared the glory of God. Now in him you also trusted after you heard the word. After you heard the, heard the word. He's about to give us a progression of or a process of growth, a process that's taking place. So we trusted him after we heard the word, the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. We entered into salvation because we trusted the word that we heard. When you trusted the word that you heard and you said, I want to be saved, Jesus came into your life and he started to work a work. He didn't just punch a ticket for you to go to heaven. He started a salvation that would be moving you from everything that was working away from God and destruction to bring you into a process of being transformed and becoming more like him. We've talked about that in the morning, but it bears repeating. We are in a day. I believe that we are in a time right now where us settling for just being average is not acceptable to God. Just being saved and knowing about it. He wants us to experience the very kind of life that he purchased for us to live, his kind of life. He wants us to experience, not just think about it, not just know about it, but allow the Holy Spirit to begin to change us that we become more like him. Be more like him in our thoughts, more like him in our emotions, more like him in our, our verbiage, more like him in our actions, more like him in our knowledge of God and intimacy with God, our heart towards God, more like him changing us because that's the salvation that's as we talked about in the morning that we're working out we're working to a complete goal what's the goal my goal is just to get to heaven but that's not God's goal God's goal 
was to change you from what sin made you look like to look like what he ordained for us to be from the very beginning. Instead of looking like foreigners and strangers and slaves to do whatever sin would make us to do, to be sons and daughters, heirs of his, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ, looking more and more like him because his very life and his very DNA has been infused to us in us by the new birth. Amen. So we trusted and we heard and we believed unto salvation. Now listen to this. In whom also you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. If you look at that seal, it says signet. So you know, there was just different things in, in those days that if you had a, a, the king, he had a ring, you know, and, and if it, something was coming from the, the king, he had a, a, a mark or a seal, you know, like the presidential seal. And so, man, if there was a letter or something sealed with that, you knew it was very, very important, right? That the king had sent it. The king had sealed it. It had come from him. It was something from him that was sealed with that signet. So he said, listen, you're mine. When you got born again, you're mine. Now you're saved. And I put my seal on you. Right? The devil no longer has his seal. Sin no longer has its seal. If you're born again, you no longer have a seal of sin. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, right? Closed to sin, sealed with the signet of God. Praise the Lord. I belong to him. We sing that, you know. I belong to him, but he really believes it, right? He doesn't just sing it. He believes it. He said, you gave your life to me? I'm sealing this deal with what? With the Holy Spirit. There's no way you get out of this now. <laughs> I know everybody's thinking, I know some people, I think they got out of it. <laughs> but God said, no, I'm going to seal you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to, everywhere in, in, in the heavenly realm, the demons and the angels, they're going to know you're mine because I put my spirit in you as a seal. And when you know you don't belong to yourself anymore, you're mine, and you've been sealed by the Holy Ghost. Who is the guarantee? So it's like, well, I don't know if this life is all it's cracked up to be. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. He said, you don't know? I'll give you a guarantee. I'll give you the one from heaven to live on the inside of you. You want to know what supernatural life is like? I've just put it on the inside of you. You know what heavenly life is going to be like and the glory of God? I put something on the inside of you, a guarantee. So when you start to wonder if you know the Holy Ghost, you know the power of the Holy Ghost, he said it's right there on the inside of you. Until this body gets glorified and you can walk through the wall. <laughs> he said, I've given you a guarantee of the power within you, the same glorious power. As when your body is glorified and you transcend this natural realm, he said there is something on the inside of you that transcends the natural realm that until that body gets glorified, you are still able to live in and from the glory of God because I've sealed you and put the Holy Spirit in you as a guarantee that you've entered into 
eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll stop right there. Father, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify you for your word. Holy Spirit, you are the one who continues to expound upon and teach us. Thank you. You draw us even deeper into your word to bring us revelation. Even as we go through this, I thank you for each and every one. Father, that we wouldn't insist on simply that which we know right now. But I pray that you would grant unto each one a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light. That we might see things that we've not yet seen. That by the Spirit of God we've heard things that we've not yet heard. Having heard but now you're opening our ears to hear what you're saying concerning that thing. Bringing it into clarity that we might see it and know it in a greater measure. You're opening our eyes of our heart that we might see things within our life that would be exposed. That in that there's a hope, an expectation of the full calling manifesting in our life that by your spirit we'll see the riches of the glory of your inheritance. So we no longer strive to have things that the world simply has to offer to drag us down, but we see the inheritance of what heaven has to offer. And as sons and daughters, what belongs to us so that we might function in that which you supply. And we might see the riches, the, the, the power of, and the glory of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that miracle working power and that authoritative power that raised you far above principalities, power, might, and dominion. Every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. That we have that authority that's in Christ. That we might reign in life. Open up our hearts. Open up our minds. God, to see and to know that which you have prepared for us. That in our time, our life, we might walk in it and that we might see it even more clearly. We thank you for changing hearts. We thank you for changing lives. And we thank you for moving, moving by your spirit into bodies and bringing healing, healing, strength, and health. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Is Todd still here? Is he out in the... Glory to God. Is he? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Todd's an amazing man of faith. And he's a tough, tough, tough one too. But he's just been standing receiving his healing. He's, he's got a, a surgery scheduled for Thursday. But we're just believing God. Amen. Some people come up and, and just pray with me. We're going to get in agreement. We're going to surround him, not just one, but we're going to surround him. Glory to God. Declare the life of God. Father, we just thank you right now. Ha, in the name of Jesus, we surround him. Lord, knowing that you have redeemed his life unto yourself. The enemy has no place. No place. We curse every strategy of the enemy against his life. 
against his body. We thank you, Lord, for what you have been doing. God strengthening him through so much. What a strength. What a power. But right now, it's time for a turnaround. It's time for his turning point moment. A moment of significant change. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That dwells within him. Thank you, Lord. It's quickening his mortal body. Bringing health and strength to every cell of his mortal body. By the spirit that dwells within. We thank you. The price has already been paid. You bore in your body the price for his sickness. That sickness. That disease. You took Todd's infirmity. You bore his sickness so he doesn't have to bear it any longer. And so we command healing to work in his body right now. Driving out sickness and disease. We command uh, those cells to be uh, destroyed. Uh, any cell that carries death with it. Any selfish cells that they be destroyed by the life of God. Oh God, and you infuse every cell with life. Life and more life by the Spirit of God. So we thank you for healing his body. We thank you for healing his body. God, just as we thank you for the wisdom of doctors and how they've uh, done things and found things uh, to work, but those things have gone into his body and worked on those cells. So I thank you, if chemicals can do that, how much more your anointing find those cells capture and destroy them with life. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We join together as a body. Oh, God. That you heal his body. Raise it up stronger than ever before to fulfill the length of his days. The great testimony of life and the praises of his God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for working in him as only you can do. As only you can do. As only you can do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the physicians. Thank you for the wisdom of men. But I thank you. There's a supernatural power of God working in his body even right now. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whew. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Aha. Let's just praise him. Glory to God. You can go back to your seat. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for healing his body. We thank you, Lord, for healing his mortal body by the spirit within. Spirit within. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We praise you. You're the healer. You are the healer. Thank you, Lord. You're the healer. Thank you, Lord. We command it to be so. We command it to be so. Nothing less than the best of what you paid for with your own precious blood. Healing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody else need healing in your body? Raise your hand. Anybody need healing in your body? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Find somebody right around you. Needs healing in their body. And we're going to pray. 
Bible says these signs will follow them that believe. So if you're a doubter, don't put your hands on somebody. Just kind of agree or, or hang out. But if you're a believer, get, get with somebody. Put your hands on them. Glory to God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we thank you, Father. As believers, we stand on your word and we release anointing into these. God, who are ailing in their body right now, we thank you for healing, driving out sickness and disease. Thank you, Lord. Right now, right now, healing. All over this room, healing. Healing power. Healing power. Breaking. Breaking that which the enemy's strategy would bring. Thank you, Lord. Healing and wholeness. Healing and wholeness. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for healing bodies. Whew, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Whew, thank you, Lord, for healing. Glory to God.
praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Isn't the presence of God sweet? Just be moving along, and then he just kind of settles in, and you're doing his will. Amen. Praise the Lord. That healing of the body. You know, just something that seems like the Spirit of God's been impressing upon me. You know, when one member is sick, then his body is not healthy. We're members of his body. And he wants his body healthy. The life that flows through his body is for health. So when a member of his body, just like your physical body, when a member's not healthy, then Jesus technically would not be healthy in the sense of his body. The head might be healthy, but his body. And he desires health throughout his body. Amen? So we individualize it so many times, but we're all connected in his body. And he wants us healthy. Sometimes you, you'd wonder, you know, does he want us? Well, how many of you want a member of your body sick? Damaged, inflicted. No, we don't. We want it to be healthy. So how much more him? So why, you know, sometimes we get this idea, well, he maybe, you know, if it be his will. Well, it's his body. Certainly he wants his body healthy. So we look at it that way. We're members of his body. So he wants us healthy. So his body can be healthy. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, say this. We go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You be dismissed. Make it a great